0: Jonah, the second chapter, beginning at verse number one. And it says, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol, as a Hebrew word for the word grave. I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit. Since I went through all of this, but you brought me up. Someone say up. You brought me up, brought me up my life from the pit, O oh Lord, my God. I want to minister for a few moments and so the Lord would help me from the subject You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep a good man down. Are there any kind of men like that? Are there any kind of people in the house of God that feel that way today? The pages of history are filled with heartwarming stories of men and women who have been down and have come back. In the field of politics, we, have immediate, we immediately think of Abraham Lincoln. No one has ever descended deeper into a fish's belly politically, so to speak, than did Lincoln. He was defeated for the state legislature in Illinois in 1832. He was defeated for Congress in 1843. And again defeated for Congress in 1848. In 1855, he ran for the Senate and was defeated. He was on the vice presidential ticket in 1856 and was defeated again. He ran for the Senate in 1858 and once more was defeated. However, he became our president in 1860 and lives on in history as one of the greatest presidents of the United States of America. Abraham Lincoln is proof that you can't keep a good man down. A similar mystique surrounds the success of even some motion pictures. Something in all of us seems to rally around those who are down and out and who come back. Take the Rocky movie, some of my favorites. Somebody's like, Rocky, what's that? Look it up on YouTube. Everybody loves to cheer for the poor street kid who, who seemed like he was a loser but then comes back in victory. We love to see someone who when it appears there was no way out comes through. We are enamored with the thought of someone coming from behind to win or someone who is completely counted out ultimately gain the victory. We all love a comeback. And I believe Jonah lives on in history and even in heaven to show us the truth that you cannot keep a good man down. Having been thrown overboard during the storm, he was swallowed by a great fish. For three days and nights, he was tossed in the belly of that monster as it journeyed in the depths of the sea. But finally, the Bible records in verse number 10 of Jonah chapter 2, it reads like this. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land the Bible says that he wipes the seaweed off his face and then the next verse in Jonah chapter 3 verse number 1 reads like this now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time why pastor should we consider Jonah's story today on Father's Day Because I believe every man in this building, maybe even of late or even today, is dealing with something that is trying to keep you down and hold you back from being everything that God wants you to be. I thank God for the men of this church and the fathers here in this church. And I've come to encourage you today, my dear brother, that you cannot keep a good man down. That no matter what the enemy is trying to do to get you to take a step back from your role as a father, from your role as a husband, from your role as a spiritual leader in your home, whatever he's thrown at you, however he's trying to discourage you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we can rise up and be the men that God desires us to be. Can somebody say amen? I believe there are some powerful principles in this story that can help not only every man, but every single one of us reach up beyond our current state and be the people that God's called us to be. Our current situation may be self-inflicted or even completely out of our control. One thing is true today. You can't keep a good man down. So what did Jonah have? that we need today to be the men God's called us to be. Number one, Jonah became a man of prayer. Someone say prayer. And I don't have it there on the screen, but I like to use the word he became. It wasn't something that came naturally to him. It's something that ultimately he stepped into. And I'm not here to lie to you and and try to convince you that it's just a walk in the park and it's a cakewalk to be a spiritual man or a spiritual individual. It's something that you have to become. Something that will take effort. It's something that you got to make up in your mind. Nobody ever taught me this, but I'm going to become a man of prayer. And as we read in our initial reading in Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, You see Jonah in that portion and passage crying out to God. And what drew my attention to this is that I know that when it comes to prayer, we think that it has to be in the right place at the right time. I remember going into a pastor's office in the Midwest when I was preaching many, many years ago, and he told me, I want you to see that bench right there. I said, Yes, sir. He goes, That's my prayer bench. I said, Man, that's powerful. I'm glad you got a prayer bench. And I thought to myself, man, I got a prayer seat, I got a prayer couch, I got a prayer bed, I got a prayer car. And I wasn't trying to mock that man of God because I have very a lot of respect for him. But I thought to myself, I just don't pray at a certain bench. I need God every single minute of the day. I pray on my way to work. I pray on my way home. I, I pray when I get up. I pray when I go to bed. I pray as I go throughout my day. We've got to be people of prayer. And we think it has to be a special place. You know, if you have a, a prayer closet, wonderful. But we always think it has to be at the right place. And at the right time, almost like we need to have the perfect prayer room in order to pray. Some folks will get up early and seek the face of God, and that's, that's wonderful. Will, some will carve out a time in the middle of the day when the house is empty to pray. Some will stay up a little bit later and seek the face of God. There never is a perfect time or a perfect place, but can I tell you, you can always pray. And when I read this story, that's the first thing that jumped out of the text and grabbed me. That Jonah's prayer room was a little different. Yeah. Jonah didn't have a prayer bench. He didn't have a prayer closet. It was smelly. It was damp. It was dark. It was dingy. It was the belly of a fish that was in cost, constant motion. You think you need Dramamine? Jonah's in the belly of a fish, just going around the bottom of the sea. He was in distress and in affliction. But what is so powerful is that from that place he called out to the Lord from that prayer room. You know what that tells me? You don't need a special place. You don't need the right time. It's always a good time to cry out to the Lord, especially if you find yourself in affliction. I love that. Because Jonah realized if anything is going to change I'm going to have to cry out to the Lord. We don't need ideal conditions for us to reach out to God. From our affliction, like Jonah, we can cry out to the Lord. Jonah didn't try to talk himself out of it or even make excuses for himself. He decided to pray. He didn't hold himself uh, hostage by his guilt because he had failed God in a particular moment. We all fail God. We all miss God and Jonah didn't hold himself hostage he said from here, from this place from this moment, from this difficulty, from this low place I'm going to cry out to the Lord I wonder if there's somebody here that finds himself passably in a low place, the devil's been attacking you all week, he's been attacking your mind and telling you you, you're not a man, you're not not a father, you're, you're not a spiritual leader, you're not the husband that
1: your wife needs, can I tell you from that low place where the enemy?" enemy's attacking you, you can cry out to God and God will reach down and pull you up.
0: We should never let our pride get in the way of us crying out to God in prayer from wherever we are. That means, brother, right there, when you're working with the sun on your back, you can cry out to God. As you're making your deliveries, as you're going in your work vehicle, as you're at your workstation, wherever it is that you work at, you can cry out to God from there. Wherever it is, you can cry out to him. Look at what verse number two says. I love this. The Bible says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Oh, and I love this. And he answered me. Jonah wants to make sure that every man that finds himself down and out, every man that's ever been discouraged, every man that's been told he can't do it, Jonah says, I want you to know I cried out to the
1: Lord in my affliction and guess what? He answered me. Can I tell you there is still power in prayer. God still answers the prayers of his people. His ears are still open to his cry and I'm encouraging somebody here today wherever you find yourself cry out to the Lord
0: and he will answer Jonah's experience is a proclamation of hope Jonah cried out in his affliction and found help and so can we Jonah prayed from the fish's belly can I tell you it's never too late to pray It's never too late to get God into your circumstances. Well, pastor, it's just too late for me. No, it's not. It's just too late for my family. It's just too late. The situation has developed and it's gotten complicated and it's just too late for us. It's never too late to cry out to God. It's never too late to lift up your voice, bow your head, bow your knee, whatever is appropriate in the moment. And cry out to the Lord. Jonah had little hope of ever getting out of the fish's belly. But in his distress, he did what he could do, and that was pray. Can I ask you a question today? Are you in a fish's belly, so to speak? Then what do you do? You call on the Lord no situation is too difficult for God you cannot keep a good man down why because he's a man of prayer when does he pray he prays in his distress and he prays in his affliction that's why we can't stay down because we seek the Lord in prayer Jonah had gone a long way from God but he never got away from the fact That God was easily accessible. Even though Jonah left the Lord, the Lord never left Jonah. God was only a prayer away. I love this because God calls Jonah one way and Jonah runs in the opposite direction. But God never stopped working on Jonah's behalf and the moment that Jonah lifted up his voice and he turned his attention towards God God came in and rescued him can I tell you, you may feel disconnected from God today you may feel distant from the Lord today but can I tell you, you're not as far away as you think God is only a prayer away you don't even have to know how to pray all you have to say is Jesus old saints used to say he's as close as the mention of his
1: name all you have to say is Jesus and he shows up Jesus I need you Jesus I don't know what to do Jesus I don't know how I'm going to find my way out of here and he'll show up
0: turn to somebody and tell him he's only a prayer away that's how close he is In my studying, I discovered something. It's also important to note what Jonah prayed. It's not only that Jonah prayed, but if we're going to become men of prayer and people of prayer, we need to look closely at what Jonah prayed. In studying his prayer, I found something very remarkable. Jonah did not use one original thought Or request in his petition you want to know what Jonah did if you can give it to me on the screen Jonah simply prayed the Word of God he prayed the scriptures now I've always believed this but I never actually found a story in the Bible till this week when I was reading this and if you study we're gonna do it here in a second eight times in these few verses of chapter 2, Jonah quoted from the book of Psalms. Eight times. We're not going to go through all eight because that's a whole Bible study. And somebody said, I don't got time for that. But I'm just going to give you a few just, just because I'm trying to help minister to somebody here today. Look at the, the second verse of Jonah chapter 2 with me. Let's do a little scripture diving here. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, the deep, or the grave, I cried, and you heard my voice. Where did Jonah get those words? Have you ever heard somebody pray and go, man, where'd they get those words to pray? Is it just me? Okay, it's just me, then. It's just me. It only happens to Pastor Anthony, just me. I remember growing up in church and praying next to some folks, and I'm like, man, I wish I could pray that way. They're so descriptive and so powerful, and it's like, my Lord, how did they get such a, to be such a powerful prayer warrior? And then I learned later on the scriptures. Oh, God, this is getting good. Let, 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 let me show you something. Where did, where did Jonah get those words? Psalms 18 and verse 6. Watch. He says, "In my distress, the psalmist. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from His temple, and my cry came before Him, even to His ears." Look at now. now let's go. Psalm one twenty and verse number one. Watch this. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and He heard me. Sound familiar? Let's go back. Can you go back to Jonah chapter 2 and verse number 2? Let's do that again. I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. The exact same word. Did you see that? Let's go back again because you didn't get it. Let's go back. Psalm 120, <laughs> verse number 1. Teachers, you know what I'm talking about. Learning is the art of repetition. Psalm 120, verse number one. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. The exact same word. Psalms was written
1: before Jonah was written after and when Jonah got stuck and he needed to pray he didn't go and look for a prayer online he didn't say well you know what I don't know how to pray so I'm not going to pray he says I remember a Psalm I remember David said in my distress I cried to the Lord and he heard me and Jonah says I'm going to do what David did I'm going to say what David said so in the bell of the fish he said I cried to the Lord in my affliction and he answered me
0: I don't know how to pray pastor open up your Bible I can't tell you how many times I've opened up the Psalms and there's tear
1: stains in those pages of my Bible. Because when I didn't know what to pray, when I didn't know how to pray, I went to the psalmist and I said, Hear, O Lord, I cry out to you in a loud voice. Hear, O Lord, hear my voice. Just like the psalmist did. Just like the psalmist said, can I tell you, you can pray the scriptures.
0: Man, I'm just trying to help somebody. But here is the obvious, okay? The obvious here is you can't pray the scriptures unless you know the scriptures. And that's why we get stuck all the time. It's not because we're not hard workers. It's not because we don't love God. We get stuck because we don't know the word. And so Jonah... Knows the word. And because he knows the word, he can pray the word. Do you see what's happening in the prayer? Jonah is standing on the promises of God and praying the scriptures. And Jonah went on in his prayer to say, look at verse number three with me. It gets even more descriptive. Verse number three of Jonah two. He says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me, and all your billows and your waves passed over me. Now, where did Jonah get those words? Listen, Psalm 88 and 6, watch this. He says, you have laid me in the lowest pit, this is a psalmist, in darkness in the depths. Verse, Psalm 42 and 7, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls, and all your waves and billows have gone over me. That sounds familiar. Let's go back to verse number three of Jonah chapter two. Let's read that again. For you cast me into the deep, into the hearts of the seas, and the floods surround me, and watch this, all your billows. And your waves passed over me. Are are you getting it? Is is it making sense now? Jonah wasn't original and neither do you have to be. You don't have to come up with your own words. You get into the scriptures and you can say, Lord, I'm going to pray like a man after your own heart. Because that was David. David knew how to get a
1: hold of God. David knew how to make contact. When you start praying the scriptures, you get to a depth and a level in prayer that you couldn't get on your own. And Jonah tapped into that. He said, the best thing that I can do is to pray the word.
0: My Lord, my Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost. So so, 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 are, are you seeing it? Jonah knew the word of God and was simply praying the scriptures. When you pray the scriptures, like Jonah, you're reminding God of the many promises in prayer. This is a marvelous way to make petitions to our God. Parents should be praying scripture over their families and children. You should be taking those, the, those those words from the pages of your Bible and praying them over your family, praying them over your home, praying them over your children, Praying them over your life, why? Because the word is powerful. The word has promises. The word has principles. And when you pray God's word back to Him, you're saying, "God, Your word says you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. Your word says that word, of the word of the King is there's power. Your word says that if God be for us, who can be against us? Your word says no weapon formed against me shall
1: prosper, and every lying tongue that comes against me." bring it down in judgment. That's what you word. And you read the word of God. You declare the word of God back to the Lord. And God says, yep, I did say that. Yep, that is a promise. Yep, I will fulfill my word. Yes, I will do what you're asking. Somebody's got to pray the scripture.
0: Jonah began appealing to God on the basis of his personal promises. And Jonah's prayers were answered. So many say that they cannot pray more than two or three minutes because they don't know what to pray. You know what you need to do? Pray the word. Get on your knees. If you can't get on your knees, find a place where you can pray and open up your Bible and start at the Psalms and start praying the Psalms back to the Lord. And if you make a habit of that, guess what begins to happen? What you say and what you read gets stuck into the corners of your hearts. And all of a sudden you begin to remember those things and you start praying it without having to read the scripture because the scripture is in here. And that's where the psalmist said, I will hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You put the word in there and you pray the word and the word is
1: powerful.
0: Hallelujah. And so you cannot keep a good man down. Why? Because he's a man of prayer. Let me hurry. You can't keep a good man down. Because he's a man of purpose. Someone say purpose. Look at verses 7 and 8 with me. Jonah says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you and to your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Jonah came to realize that there had been a purpose in his pilgrimage. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Dr. R.T. Kendall in his book Jonah, he makes an astute observation here. He points out that in Romans 8, 28, that what that means is not just because something has been made right, doesn't mean it is right. Although it is true, that God can make all things work together for good. This does not justify our disobedience. So yes, God made Jonah's situation good. Yes, God did fulfill his purpose in Jonah, but that didn't justify Jonah's disobedience. And it doesn't justify our disobedience. But if God is asking me to do something, I must do it. Yes, he is sovereign. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he is powerful to be able to make the good and the bad work together for our good. But nonetheless, we must obey his instructions if we want his purposes to ultimately prevail. Just a little side note there. Jonah said this, I remembered the Lord. What was he doing? He was coming to himself. In other words, the truth ultimately dawned on him and then he confessed I forgot God and I listened to the lies of the devil I've been clinging to the worthless idols of self and I have forfeited the mercy that could have been mine all the while it's interesting that Jonah said that when he got to the end of his rope the way he termed it was when my soul fainted within me it seemed that things that could that could not get uh, better started getting worse and that phrase literally was translated when I lose all hope when Jonah got to a place of absolute helplessness he says then I remembered the Lord it was in a low moment it was in a discouraging moment that he decided you know what I'm going to go to the Lord I'm going to stop running away from him and I'm going to start running to him and he heads directly toward the Lord can I tell you you don't have to wait to get to a place of hopelessness you don't have to wait to get to a dead end from where you
1: are you can remember the Lord and God will put you right back on track headed towards your purpose headed toward the destiny that he has for your life
0: I thank God that he's always there. But how much easier would would it have been on Jonah if he had remembered the Lord? And when he stepped up to the ticket booth at Joppa to buy his ticket to sail for Tarshish, and there's some of us in this room who think we found our own ship out of here and about to purchase our own ticket. I'm here to tell you, remember the Lord. Jonah put it that way. He said, I remembered the Lord. I remembered the Lord. I'm talking to somebody that's trying to do it all by themselves. I'm talking to a father that's getting frustrated and saying, How am I going to get this thing forward? How am I going to be the man that God wants me to be? You have to remember the Lord. You have to reach out to the Lord. The Lord allowed distress to come into Jonah's life so that he might come to himself. And remember the Lord. In Jonah's dark and damp dungeon, there did not seem to be a ray of hope. But suddenly, the light of God's glory started coming in. And what do you suppose Jonah remembers? When he's in the belly of that fish, what do you think he remembered? The Bible says he remembered God's mercy. The first thing that Jonah remembers, he's in a dark, damp place. He's in the belly of a fish, and he remembers the Lord. And the first thing that comes to his mind is God is a God of mercy. He's a merciful God. Oh, yes, I mess up. Oh, yes, I fall short. Oh, yes, sometimes I'm not what I should be. But he's a merciful God, and he remembers God's mercy. I've come to tell somebody, maybe just remind somebody, remember that he's a merciful God. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to judge you. He's a merciful and gracious God. And if you'll reach out to him, he'll reach right back down to you. I like the way the prophet Jeremiah put it in Lamentations 3 and 32. Look at what he says. He says, though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion. Sometimes God allows grief and difficulty and trial to come to our lives. But he does it because he loves us. And although he allows us to go through difficulties, please understand something. He will always show compassion. And look at what the prophet goes on to say. He says, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of what? His mercies. That no matter where you and I find ourselves, he's a compassionate God and there's always a multitude of mercy. Why am I going through this? God's allowed you to go through that. Why did I get stuck? God allowed you to get stuck. Why? So you can remember him. And when you remember him, please remember that he's a God of compassion. Please remember that he's a God of multiplied and a multitude of mercies. Jonah realized it wasn't worth it. And so he stepped into his purpose when he remembered the Lord. We can become men of purpose if we remember the Lord and turn away from the worthless idols and purposeless living. Let me give this to you. Running from God will lead you to an empty life. Remembering the Lord will redirect your life to God's purpose. My dear brother, sister, and friend, allow the Lord to redirect you today. Redirect you back to purpose. Redirect you back to his plan for your life. And it all starts because you remember the Lord. You can't keep a good man down. Why? He's a man of prayer and he's a man of purpose. And number three, he's also a man of praise. Look at verse number 9. Of Jonah chapter 2. Again, he's in, he, he's still in the belly of the whale, all right? He's still there. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. He can't see anything. He has no idea where he's going, but he's already talking to God, and God's redirecting his life. God's redirecting his purpose. Did you know that the entire time that Jonah was in the belly of the whale, God had him headed directly towards Nineveh? He runs in the opposite direction. God swoops him up in a whale, you know, his own makeshift submarine, and he says, you're not going that way. You're going this way. and Jonah's crying, and Jonah's praying, and he's saying, God, forgive me. God, I almost, I'll sacrifice. God, I'll go back. I remember you, Lord. Yeah, I remember who you are. You're a merciful God. I'll sacrifice. I'll praise you, and then later on, the fish spits him out, and where does he spit him out? He spits him out on the shores of Nineveh, and Jonah stands up
1: and starts preaching. Why? Because while he was there, God had him headed towards his, can I tell you that where you are right now, God is redirecting. Directing you towards your purpose. you toward your, You may not realize it now, but God is in complete control. So what do I do when I'm in the belly of the whale? What do I do when I'm in the fish's belly? I praise him. I render to him thanksgiving. I give him glory. I give him the honor because I know that everything is in his hands.
0: And so he says, I will sacrifice to you. With a voice of thanksgiving. And I love what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18. He says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What am I trying to tell you? If God could offer a sacrifice of praise from the belly of a fish, surely we can offer one from our place of affliction. If Jonah could praise God where he was, then you and I can praise God where we're at right now. You can praise him in a hospital bed. You can praise him in a jail cell. You can praise him in a dark room. You can praise him in a place of loneliness. Wherever you are, in everything
1: give thanks.
0: This is amazing to me. Jonah did not ask God, to deliver him. He simply started praising God in a difficult situation and giving thanks. Not one time did Jonah say, Lord, pull me out of here. It's not in the scriptures, but you want to know what I believe? I believe Jonah didn't ask God to pull him out because he knew he deserved to be there. He says, and if God doesn't pull me out, And if I die in the belly of this fish, I'm going to praise God from right here. I'm going to sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving right here. Oh, I know he can deliver me, but if he doesn't deliver me, I'll still praise him. I'll still give him glory. I wonder if there's somebody that
1: has that kind of a spirit today that says, oh yeah, I know God could deliver me. And I really would like for him to deliver me. But you know what? I'll praise him anyway. I'll bless him anyway. I'll thank him anyway. From where I'm at right now, I'll give him praise. Can somebody lift up your hands right now? and thank him and praise him where you are right now.
0: The musicians can come. Jonah learned something liberating. I want to give this to you. He learned that giving thanks in everything would set him free. Although he never asked For deliverance, he started thanking God for deliverance. And he knew that thanking God would ultimately deliver him. You know what I've learned? Rather than you ask God to heal you, just praise Him for your healing. Rather than asking God to save someone that you love, why don't you just thank Him because He's a Savior. Rather than asking God to deliver somebody, why don't you praise him because he's a delivering God. And guess what's going to happen? Your
1: praise and your thanksgiving is ultimately going to deliver you. How do you know that? Ask Paul and Silas. They praised God. They never asked to be delivered. They never asked to be set free. But their praise delivered them. I've come to tell somebody you can ask him. You can and cry out to him but why don't you praise him first why don't you thank him first because giving thanks will set you free are you in the
0: fish's belly are you in a dark confused in despair and distress don't give up You can't keep a good man down. Why? Because he's a man of praise. And it's a good place where you are to begin to find the will of God. Because Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to be in the will of God? Give him thanks. You hear that? That's the will of God. Our giving thanks is God's will. This does not necessarily say that we are to thank God for the fish's belly. But we can thank God in the fish's belly. And so men and people of God, let's be people of praise. And that's something that we've tapped into here at BFAZ. We know it, we believe it, and we practice it. That praise is powerful. That praise can deliver. That praise can open doors. That praise reaches the very throne of God and can touch the heart of God. Our faith is proven by our thanksgiving. There's quite a difference between those who walk by sight and those who walk by faith. Those who walk by sight can sing songs of praise and thanksgiving only when deliverance has already come. Anyone can do that. We get a new job. We give thanks. We get a good report from the doctor. We give praise and thanks But those who walk by faith choose to live in thanksgiving even in the midst of Adversity I walk by faith and so that means even if I don't see a way out I can give them thanks even if things don't make sense right now in my life. I can give them thanks You cannot keep a good man down why Because he's a man of prayer. He's a man of purpose. And because he's a man of praise. And I close. Number four. You can't keep a good man down because he's a man of promise. Look at verses nine and 10 with me. He says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah. Onto dry land. Now, a casual reading of the text might cause us to pass over what Jonah said in the last part of verse number nine. But in the, the last part he says of verse nine, salvation is of the Lord. It is God who delivers. As long as there's still a full, a few strings for us to pull. Deliverance can be traced to our own efforts. But can I tell you, we are not saved because we deserve to be, or because we are good, or because we are intelligent, or because we are talented. Salvation and deliverance are of the Lord. When Jonah declared the promise of God's salvation, God stepped in and fulfilled what Jonah had spoken. Let me share this with you today. When we declare the promises of God, we give God an opportunity to
1: fulfill his word in our lives. Jonah's there in the belly of the whale and he says, salvation is of the Lord. What are you doing, Jonah? I'm declaring the promises of God, but it's dark, it's damp, you just might die. He says, salvation is of the Lord. In other words, there's a God that can save, there's a God that can deliver. And when Jonah declared the promises, God fulfilled them
0: men of promise and people of promise declare the promises of God until God performs them. We don't know if Jonah said it ten times or if he said it a hundred times but he's there saying salvation is of the Lord. You know what he's also saying? He's also saying I can't save myself. And Sometimes, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes God has to back some of us men up against the wall. As long as we still have a side hustle, we're good. As long as we can still make a few phone calls, we're all right. As long as we still can cash in a few favors, we can pull ourselves up. And so, God puts us sometimes with our backs up against the wall and He says, Anthony, save yourself. It's like, I'm out of phone calls, I'm all out of favors a lot of ideas ever ever been there? picking up their phones anymore. I don't know what to do. And God says, now you're exactly where I want you. And then we, like Jonah, can say salvation is of the Lord. I can't save myself. I can't help myself. The only one that can get me out of this, the only one that can get my family out of this, the only one that can get my children out of this is the Lord, who is a Savior and a Deliverer.